Okay, welcome all of you. We seem to have a pretty good core of people, which I'm looking forward to be talking to all of you. And especially after the official part, we'll have a networking to be around everything. So I'm sure you can enjoy it all uh, all together. Um, today, we have a special event that makes us talk. I'm really pleased to welcome you. Peter can stand up here. Uh, yeah, he's going to uh, meet me at all. I should put it. And uh, today's session is going to be a uh, pretty good ride. It's going to be only about a uh, sort of interesting topic, which is uh, uh, to the point of uh, being a team lead or person who is starting with, uh, let's say, a new team leader or an existing team. Or uh, there's a very famous situation these days, which is about we restructured our organization and we did a couple of layoffs and a couple of restructures and restructures and restructures. And now we don't know when, where, where we find ourselves. <laughs> And you are given some sort of teams that you inherited. Uh, so this is the scenario that we want to cover. And basically, we want to make sure that you are a winner in this dialogue. You are the person who lands the new team the way that you make it successful in three months from now at the first try with no parts of theirs. So this is the topic of our talk for today. Okay? Uh, do we have a clicker? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so basically, that's what we describe as a situation, right? Again, making sure that uh, you land your new team like a pro. That's the context of our talk. What that means in practice, you can turn it the other way, is that maybe there are some of you uh, who are managers or managers or some sort of senior senior managers. Basically, what you, what you want to offer them or offer your new team leads is this framework. I want you to land your new team like a hero, okay? Um, so you might be asking, like, why the heck? Why should we be talking about this? This is this comes from nature, right? I guess it does not. And the reason is that basically, uh, you know, if you, if you want to land it pretty well, uh, it has certain challenges, and this, the environment basically it's, will eat you for dinner. So uh, it's really pretty great to have uh, some sort of an exact plan how to win this battle. Uh, as I'm saying, at each and every of, the, of our meetups, we are not talking about theory here. Uh, I landed, I would say, dozens of different teams, about dozens of different team leads to, to make it work. With Peter, yeah, you went through the very single story, and uh, that's the notion that we want to go, go through. We are not talking theories here. We are talking practice. So uh, if you allow me, I will do the try and uh, start providing you some sort of a 30, 60, 90 dense plan that is very specific. And you can basically, I, I wouldn't say copy paste it, <laughs> but uh, you can take it as a pretty solid inspiration. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, I will do something to Metso and uh, Peter will take over and uh, present us uh, some sort of a team charter. Uh, for, let's say, 15, 20 minutes, I guess, uh, to give you a pretty good overview and practical advice on how to create a hint chart, <laughs> including the mission, the purpose of the team, and everything that you need uh, so that team is set up for success from the very beginning. Okay, so let's get started. So uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, what we want to say here is that we all know or experience the situation that there is a new team lead, uh, but for some reason, uh, he came back to the IC role 
for some reason, he's not in the company anymore. <laughs> uh, it could be the reason that, you know, we are all playing the, the game of being, being too busy and being too operational because we came up from the environment of the individual contributor game. And all of a sudden, we want to play the game of, of being a leader of people and leading the team, right? That's a very different scenario. And, but still, the inertia is there, and we are not able to move from one role to another uh, in the desired place. And yet, there are, there are, let's say, how many zeros do I have there? There are, you know, 100,000 of different, let's say, faults or errors or mistakes that we can do. Uh, the, the funny story is that these mistakes, uh, uh, it's a pattern. They are repeating. Uh, and you can see them, them being repeated all over the place. Uh, if you don't have the solid plan, then basically, uh, uh, most probably, you are not set up for success. What I mean to say, without a solid plan, without a plan of uh, having a contract with your manager for the evaluation after three months, saying like, so have I accomplished my mission? Is it successful? Is it not successful? If, if there is no plan, there is no contract, you cannot win. Because you know the story how it ends. Like, you know, your manager in the probation period will tell you, but uh, I think this is not what I expected. Or I told you that you should be focusing on something different. Or I thought that, like, so without contract, uh, basically you put yourself in danger. That's, that's the message. Uh, so, uh, the day my, uh, from, you know, uh, we are talking about the 30, 60, 90 days plan. Nevertheless, there are some, uh, prerequisites in order to make sure that, uh, we land our, uh, new team pretty well. Uh, what I mean to say that sometimes, uh, we need to make sure that, well, the, the preparation is that, and we have to, Think of uh, what might be the potential danger of not accomplishing our mission. So uh, the number one thing, which I see sometimes repeating, is that uh, maybe on one hand, people are telling you that you should be still getting your hands dirty with programming half of your time, while on the other hand, uh, my manager is telling me that uh, I will have to take care of six people. That's but does not compute. You will not be able to accomplish both of them. Maybe you will uh, for three to six months, but then they will wear out. That's the number one thing. The other mistake is that usually I talk about the triangle. The triangle is that you take care as a team leader of the, of the, of the leadership, of the delivery, and the process is being like usually scrub or these sort of things. If your manager is telling you that you have to take care of all the three edges of the triangle, you are not set up for like that. You will, be, you will be, you will get so busy that you will not be able to accomplish it. So usually, like, make sure that you are able to. You are destined for just two, two of these vertices, not all the three of them. Usually, like, you know, either you have, you, you're not doing the leadership, or you have some sort of technical expert at your right hand, or you have a scrum master or agile coach who's helping you with that. But if you are doing all the three of the edges and mastering them all together. Uh, that's a pretty, uh, rough scenario to say. Uh, yeah, the, the storming or performing, make sure that basically, uh, uh, you know, you might be entering the stage that, uh, 
your manager is telling you that you should keep the team in the same base while having, let's say, half of, the, of new, new people in the team and delivering unexpected features without taking care of or uh, uh, making sure that basically there is some norming, storming, performing phase, right? So usually, like, what I'm trying to say, uh, you shouldn't be, you should make sure that uh, the norming, storming, performing phase is that. And uh, that being said, if a manager tells you that, you know, but you should be uh, excellent at uh, uh, basically leading, leading this team to success from day one, again, that's not a fair scenario. Because usually you have a different cards in your hands. Uh, you should establish the ways of communication in your, in your new team. Uh, so uh, that's basically one of the one of, of the biggest mistakes that I see repeatedly. That being said, if you are uh, if you are in the front of the manager who is telling me, telling you that your your brand new team should be working like like you know a performing team from day one, that never happens. You know it. There are sort of things that have to be accomplished in order to make to be highly performant, right? So just take into account there is a certain time that we need to. Uh, Understand that they uh, account for uh, when you when you sort of handle uh, the new team. Okay. So uh, what I'm trying to tell you is that basically, uh, in order to succeed, make sure that you have the contract. And here, I don't mean by the contract, I don't mean the, the you know the compensation or the salary. <laughs> what I mean by the contract is the uh, uh, expectations that we have. Uh, you know, with my stakeholders, with my manager, and with, with the team. Uh, is any of you uh, going through the similar experience, please? Or do you, does anyone of you can advise me, like, what might be the right formulation of the contract, for example? Imagine yourself being, you know, in the, team of the, in the role of the new team lead. So what will be the contract uh, of yours with your manager? What is the contract that you want to state that will get accomplished in three months? What do you think? What will you propose as that? As that what's the agreement on value? Okay. okay, ours? Okay. I would say clear expectations and uh, clear responsibility and clear goals what you want to achieve and how we evaluate it. Huh? Okay, another one? Smart goal, smart goal, OKRs, expectations. Okay. Another two. In relationship with the team. Nice. Love it. And the last one. Okay. Impact. Impact. That's good. Similar to OKRs and the goals. Uh, I think we are pretty close, to be honest. This is the contract. Take it as a proposal. This is the contract that I usually want to open with uh, my team leads, or this is the contract that I, I advise to my MPs. There are different ways of, of you know writing this contract out, of course. This is the one that I use most of the time. What it says, in three months, I will do my best to cover the path of a team leader or the path of the new team. And after three months from now, I will come back to you 
with some sort of internal audit. That being said, I will let you know whether this role is acceptable, this team acceptable for me. And uh, we will evaluate whether there is a bit of uh, energy from my side. This is how masters put contracts down. Okay. That being said, in the, in the first month, for example, I will, I will make sure that I, I do my best to uh, put my attention towards focus, or focus of the team. In the second month, I will ensure that the team is uh, highly performing. In the third month, before the formation pre events, I will come back to you with the results of my internal audit with uh, the proposals that I have towards improving the efficiency of the team and the delivery and the goals of the team. And uh, we will do a uh, common evaluation whether I do add value to the team. Okay? There's nothing about goals. Goals change. There's nothing about delivery. It's work. Okay. So basically, what you are saying, it will come into with some tactics, with a timeline, how to, well, you know, at what stage the demons, and how to improve it. That's what we want to hear as senior managers. That's what creates trust. You don't do that? Uh, Basically, you are just uh, you just enter into a master slave relationship. If you provide this, you end up being a bottom. Okay. So now we start with the first month of how to make things work and uh, in order to be successful. And here we go week by week with a different let's say, weak statement that we want to accomplish. So it's going to be very specific. Okay? So starting with the first month, day one, what I want you to see, or what I want you to do, is to put the 90-day in your calendar as a milestone, making sure that this is the deadline. This is the milestone that I'm, that I'm fighting for. And of course, you should have some monthly month reviews with your direct manager or your stakeholders just to make sure that you evaluate how things are progressing so far. Might be nothing surprising, but it creates some sort of emotional uh, connection with, uh, you know, there is a specific deadline until then, uh, until which I have to come up with the proposal and with uh, my internal audit results. Okay? Week one, what most people do? You can visit. It's a highly professional work. Uh, you know, we have to help everybody and nobody. We have to keep delivery high. Usually, this is a game which you don't want to play. I know it sounds crazy, 
telling to your manager, you know, I need some time to make sure that the team is fully performing, that I can deliver, that I can promise some of my commitments. But it's a fair game, I would say, right? If you don't do that, if you just, okay, give me another team, I'll take care of it, but I'll take care of it. You know how it ends, like, you know, if you don't ever half of your roadmap, if you put your roadmap or goals, then uh, you're a hero, right? That's what's uh, the truth of most of the companies. You deliver just 50% of the roadmap, that's fine. You deliver usually 50% of the sprints, nobody cares. So instead of what you should be doing, and I think we are covering that with Honza, is please, by all means, start building relationships in all the three directions. Of course, you can start focusing on, you know, on the delivery of all the others, but mainly make sure that you start building new relationships. But being said, I want you to have, let's say, two pitch-ups per week with your direct manager. I want you to have some sort of informal face-to-face conversations with your peers. And I want you to do the same with your direct reports, with your team members. If you start jumping right away into tasks, prioritizations, and these sort of things, You are just a person who's standing in front of the Volkswagen line <laughs> trying to make things better, right? But if you don't make relationships first, when the times come hard, nobody's going to help you back. We are always forgetting about this piece. The second thing about from relationships and the face-to-face meetings in all the three directions is to change your calendar. What I mean to say by that, is uh, just make sure that you fill your calendar with what's important. That being said, your one-on-ones with your direct reports, one-on-ones with your peers, might be weekly, bi-weekly, and of course with your managers. The second should be, of course, we have some of the calls. Ceremonies, maybe sprint, um, shape up, whatever you use, waterfall. Uh, just making sure that you're, you're part of these meetings. Nothing surprising again. But if you end up in a situation that you started in these Google conversations uh, just uh, two months after uh, you start uh, your new team role, that's too late. That's too late. Because this way, what you demonstrate is that you don't take care of people. You take care of the delivery of my line or something. And your interviews go down. Okay. Build relationships first. When the times go hard, usually it's the beginning of the quarter, or you need some help, or you need some dependencies to be resolved. If you don't have relationships, you fail. Week two. Again, you should be working on delivery, right? No. <laughs> uh, what I want you to focus on is education. And this way, I don't speak about uh, education, about some sort of generic uh, stuff. What I mean to say is that I want to see you 
to understand what's on our plate in terms of the team, what's on our plate in terms of the product roadmap, in terms of the technical roadmap. Why don't we have that product strategy in place? How many of you, when you started leading a new team, have well, given an opportunity to speaking with the VP of product, for example, or CPO about the product itself? How the hell these guys can ask us to make the priorities right and handle the priorities well? We have no clue about what we are supposed to achieve. Of course, we can talk about OKRs, goals, smart goals. But if that's about, like, let's say, second or third month, or there is nobody telling you about it, they are just telling you, just do your job. You have no no chance to uh, do the priorities right at your say, planning meeting or sprint planning meeting or whatever that is. Nobody's allowed to ask you for that. A secret tip of mine: if you if you're gonna ask the chief product officer about, hey Patrick, can you please explain to me uh, why do we have this product strategy in place? They are gonna kiss your shoes. For that, uh, they're going to love you. This is how we differentiate from the rest. So, to demonstrate your interest in, in the product and in the business. The next thing you should be very careful about is to understand the business model, how the company earns money, what might be the you know the pricing strategy for that. Uh, usually, you know, another secret step is to. For example, you might be asking your new product manager uh, for going and see a customer. If that's possible, of course, you might have some B2B scenarios. You might have an informal customer, a different team, a different let's say, department. Eventually, if the customer is far away, you might want to you know, involve yourself in the customer interview just to get a sense of you know, what the customer really needs, what's the experience of that? Again, it differentiates you from the rest if you do that. Week three. Uh, of course, the ultimate goal of ours, the reason of why we exist, the reason of why the team exists, is to deliver some sort of functionality of, uh, that has a value, right? And uh, this way, in this special time, you are given the opportunity to review what's on teams on teams play, what all the teams roll that. Don't accept it for granted. This is what, what needs to be accomplished. Go. Therefore, just make it work. You're the new team lead. See you in a rebel. If you enter the new role of a team lead, just seize the opportunity and challenge it back just to make sure that you are, again, on track with your delivery expectations. If you just accept the status quo, sometimes it's going to be hard to, to, to deal with the problems that you will you know, uh, uncover as the time goes by. This is a special opportunity because you can raise your hand and ask the product manager or your direct manager about, like, you know, how come we should accomplish X, Y, and Z in uh, the rest of one and a half months till the end of the quarter? 
There is no way we can do that. So do some copying? Do we do some compromise? What do we do? We just say, yes, I can do that. I don't think that's the best strategy you can do. Of course, you need to come up with data with some sort of you know doubts and assumptions, or just for the sake of creating a buffer. That's not gonna work. But this is the time that you are responsible for the delivery of the team. And uh, if the problem of the team that was that they had twice of what they had they handled, and that was the reason why the previous team lead was laid off, and you just say yes, you're gonna have the very same difficulty on your own. Uh, and uh, nobody's going to ask you about what was the reason of not delivering your roadmap. You haven't raised your hand. Okay. So uh, what I'm going to say here, at this point of time, you are privileged to change the roadmap and do some sort of a roadmap adjustments. If you don't do that, you can do whatever miracles you want, but if the roadmap is doubled, Compared to the effort of the team or capability of the team, you will never win. Okay, the week four, about the team charter. Uh, how many of you heard about team charter as a word? Okay, a couple of you. Nice. So we've got the team charter, just as a spoiling alert, is, uh, it's about making sure that we understand uh, what's the purpose of the team, how to communicate with the team, what's on the roadmap, what's the plate, and uh, you know, where's the our knowledge base. And basically, it uh, diminishes the friction of uh, uh, basically some sort of communication chaos where everybody's asking about their things are and uh, how we work. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a sort of system. So with that in mind, if Peter, you can please cover this piece. Uh, Peter has a great experience with, with that. Uh, Welcome with the bracket solution for that. So please stay tuned and uh, uh, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. You stole my question to the other end. How many of you, was like a couple of uh, people, right, have some idea of what Chakra is? You might know it under different names. But, uh, some people like to liken it to team constitution or uh, your North Star for the team. But those are very, you know, very complicated and big words. But it's a document, it's a communication tool uh, where you basically communicate to your team and the rest of the company uh, what your team is about. Imagine a situation where you, I don't know, run to, run to Fabian, the CTO here. And CEO here, and he asks you, "Hey, I have to your new what your new team is about." And you take five minutes to actually explain uh, what what's the deal. That's, that's, you should be able to articulate that uh, clearly, starting with uh, team mission. And one of the things for which I always like to speak up is that it gets practical. He said, "No theories." So I'm gonna show you uh, takeouts for your team chapter of our teams here. Hopefully, it's gonna give you a template of sorts, and if not, it's not a template at least a little inspiration. So, team mission. Uh, <coughs> it should be one or two sentences at most. Write <laughs> a paragraph. <laughs> To add uh, some more thought to it, right? If you can't explain 
to someone with your team DAS in a few sentences, then you might have a problem and struggling, right? Everyone who understands this in my uh, Everyone who knows at least something, everyone who knows what to make at, which is the integration, is will understand this team machine. Um, if I were to have just one single section in my team chapter, this would be a simple statement of why the team is here. Why does it matter? Next up, we would typically go to discussing the scope of your team and ownership. Um, how many of you guys is in a technical role here? PMs, engineers. Okay, right, the vast majority. So for us technical people, when we think about ownership and scope, it's from which services we own. We own service A, service B, we also maintain social libraries, etc. And it falls into architecture of such and such. That's a very natural way for us to think about ownership. And it's essential to have that as part of your team chart, right? Incident response, etc. But uh, I would argue that most people who open up your team chart don't really care about. So what has proved helpful for us was to frame the ownership in terms of jobs to be done. That's a whole framework on its own. If you have any product managers here, they all know it. Um, but it, it's not an important. Uh, important point here is that you can think about the ownership as what sort of jobs the user does are realized through our team, what sort of uh, tasks and user flows we support. Uh, if you're not here, which user flows I'm going to break down? I don't even maybe put this section before. Technical one. You can also sprinkle a uh, few. Screenshots showing in the product where uh, your ownership manifests itself. Uh, simple, effective, keep on, keep on visual. Now, uh, we said that you are not expected to have goals and objectives in your first months. Not maybe even fair, but at some point, uh, you will need to arrive at some measurable goals for your team so that you know uh, in which direction the road starts. It should be normal. Uh, I'm not going to go into OPR, right, KPIs, etc., because I think that would around a meetup on its own. And I hope we can get to it sometime because I can see it revised. But uh, that should absolutely be part of, uh, of your team chapter for everyone to see. Ideally, if they can also see the progress you're making, that's even better. Right, so we have the team mission, we know the ownership, uh, we have hopefully a goal set, or at least we have some idea of the goals. Now, how does all this translate in our program? What do we actually do? What does the team actually deliver? What is it working on or planning to do to uh, fulfill that mission and uh, meet those goals? Right? Um, have you ever been in a situation where someone paid you on Slack asking, uh, hey, I heard you guys are going to work in on this feature. Well, when is it going to be out? And you say, okay, so yeah, that's, that's something we had in plan, but we had to change it because uh, we had to refer it, et cetera. Like, well, like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be having one of those questions at all. 
people should be able to access your roadmap anytime. Now for that, we'll go for that. Or maybe picture this. Someone comes to you, let's say Goita, my peer, comes to me, and he's like, hey, I want you to work on this. This is super important for us. We need you to deliver it. Uh, it's a key feature. It's a no-brainer. You need to work on it. So if I don't have a roadmap accessible to Goita, I don't really have a way to send it. Right? They need to be able to pull out the roadmap and say, okay, Goita, so let's see what we have here in works, right? What we are planning. And please tell me, help me understand, uh, would you propose uh, best polls within our plans or would we need to move what the impact will be? You can't really have the discussion effectively or maybe not at all if you don't have the roadmap and if you don't have that feedback accessible. Um, so this is a, this is a last you know, year's, last year roadmap of one of the engineering teams here. Uh, it's a, uh, it's done in a product management tool, which is very popular in this part of town. Uh, and I will sometimes hear people say, but we don't have a tool for that. We need first to pick a tool or, or Jira is a mess. We can't possibly share the list of epics to anyone because they don't understand. That's like, that's just an existence. Like you need to uh, communicate your roadmap at all costs, right? Even if it's just like static text or in Confluence or in Notion, I don't care. It just needs to be a Right. Um, I don't follow the sport yet. Uh, I will follow a little in story here. Um, we started delivering features for roadmap, and we needed oftentimes to poke into some part of the system which wasn't in our own ship, right? It was in someone else's own ship. Then you come up. And uh, so we consulted the other team. And then when we moved more into delivery, uh, we started doing changes to the system, submitting PRs. And uh, what happened, obviously, was that the other team was having a hard time finding the time. And we were left in frustration. We were like, okay, so we are blocked. Uh, we can't progress because those guys aren't revealing. But uh, have we ever really agreed on this moment of interaction between the teams to deliver a feature, right? Not really, right? Does it happen? Teams tend to surprise sometimes one another. So it's uh, advisable, even though it's not typically part of team charter, to think about what are the modes of collaboration between teams. We said no books, no theory here, but I now mentioned the book Team Topologies here, after which we model this. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so with each team interaction, we try to define in more practical terms what are the expectations. Do we expect to consult every once in a while? Or are we going to be routinely submitting PRs to the other team? Are we maybe going to be forming a virtual team, working closely together right, uh, for a month or so? Are we going to be meeting three times a week to discuss something? This sort of uh, dependencies often are not really discussed between teams when executing on the roadmap, and it only leads to surprises uh, and uh, frustration, and ultimately slowdowns. I won't be Captain Obeos here. You can, I hopefully imagine what uh, would be meant by the section of communication channels. You don't want uh, people DMing you and the team 
right? Asking random questions, you want to have clear communication channels, slide channels, mailing groups, or um, make it clear how to file bugs, etc. Who's um, on the team? Some people even add a more detailed interrupting charter or other responsibilities for other ceremonies. We don't have that as part of the team charter. We have to keep a separate document for that, but whatever. Now, uh, I will share a couple of lessons, some of which I had to learn the hard way. Uh, so, Marian already mentioned that in your first month, you should be listening, right? You should be gathering inputs. And the same goes uh, for your team chat. You should absolutely not do it alone. Sometimes, engineering managers will go at it uh, themselves, uh, not really getting enough input. Um, so you should really listen. Hopefully, you're getting some sort of direction from the, from the product leadership, from region leadership, uh, but you also can talk to customers. Uh, you should talk to existing teams who maybe are not directly related to your work, but they might have, they might have some insight. You should talk to internal customers. Very important. And only after that, you should be up with some sort of mission uh, objectives only after you gather as much input as possible. Um, however, have you maybe ever met um, someone who would jump at every idea? You would be like, okay, it sounds interesting, let's work on that. I will check with my team and you can take a look at it to see what we can do. What happens very often is that they spread themselves too thin. Really they focus in a million different directions and they never deliver on anything. So I don't want to be that yes man kind of guy. I want to protect myself, right? And defining the team scope, mission, service ownership, etc. You don't need to be Mr. Nice Guy. Overplay. Maybe you have met people who are the extreme opposite. Maybe like, sorry. Can't help you, not on my team charter. Fuck off. Doesn't happen here, right? Uh, you don't want to be a leader. You want to you want to be saying no to things, only to say yes to a handful of things that actually like, make sense or meaningful that we can actually deliver. Which brings me to another story here. Uh, from A, where we put together a team called well, X-Platform. And that team caters to integration developers, internal and external, and uh, based on the device, right? Uh, we talk to everyone. We talk to customers, we talk to the internal team, talk to external developers. And then we decided to focus primarily on the external developers. That was fine. That was a uh, Deliver decision for our on our end. It was a tough call, and I stand by it. But we never really circled back to the internal team to share the team charter with them. So they were left with frustration. They had some expectations. We were like, okay, so here's the new team. They're gonna solve our problems, but then we did, and we didn't tell them why. So it's your job to make sure that the Team charter of your team is universally understood so that it sticks. We didn't do anything to make sure it's. That was a mistake. 
singles uh, for your team. You have a team mission, you put it in team chapter, and then you forget about it. It's very fun. But there's so many opportunities where you can actually like remind yourself and the team and your stakeholders what your team mission is and why is it. Um, for example, like a very common ceremony like sprint planning. You were putting together sprint block or like sprint. Okay, cool. Do you always link it to roadmap? Do you always link it to the team mission? Do you remind the team why we are working in this thing, on this thing? Do you do that in casual conversations, maybe, or over coffee, or someone says, okay, I have this brilliant idea, we should work on it. And then you kill it, but you don't really explain, like, why doesn't it fit in the team? Lots of opportunities to make sure that the mission sticks and doesn't come off too well. Yeah. Uh, Marian mentioned that if you do not have a good input, let's say from VP of product, then you can't be expected to do well. Sure. I agree. But when I talk about team charters, sometimes people will say, I mean, like your boss should tell you what your team should do. Or they will say, uh, the company should have clear OKRs for that and you should be telling them that. Sometimes you don't have that, though. And, uh, Nobody will do it for you. Or some other people will say, it's a product manager's job to come up with product goals. Not really. It's your job equally as a product manager. I know some people will disagree, but uh, I strongly believe that. Uh, it's through you to you know, the team understands uh, its purpose. It's not just a product manager. It's not just VP of It's not just someone high level in the company. It's you. Um, maybe your company, maybe you don't have a product manager at all. Let's say you're working in a platform team, okay? And you don't really have, uh, your company doesn't really have this sort of like structured framework for making goals or setting goals, key results and whatnot. So you could be like, hmm, I'm not getting enough input. So I don't know. We just got to do some technical input. If you don't have enough uh, data, enough input, enough goals from above, then it's your job to a like be a change agent, maybe like try to improve the situation of the company, right? But most importantly, uh, to give that direction in your team, even though you feel it's lacking. No one else will do it for you. It's not someone else's responsibility. It's yours. Cool. So that would be uh, each other. That's going to work. So, in the shower for OPLD. So, the bottom that I want to put out here is that you might be saying that, you know, one actually creates a sort of, uh, you know, uh, additional document about like what the deep charter or these sort of nice employees were ordering and so on and so forth. Uh, there is one thing that I want to highlight here. The, the team charter is a great communication tool to make sure that we are right. And even most importantly, it's a great communication tool to make sure that your team uh, stays focused. If you communicate the, the team charter, your team gets protected from uh, external interruptions. 
for for the for the purpose of this, right? If you don't you have that, if, as an example of not having you know a link to the product roadmap, will be a constant bombardment of uh, sales guys, product managers, and other stakeholders about, hey, how about your team uh, does this and that? If you don't have you know the team charter and the roadmap, you cannot argue against it. What you do, you are just a yes man. You accept it, and all of a sudden you find out yourself that you know maybe this quarter I have uh, an initiative to make. Uh, which you have no chance to do. Perfect. So uh, let's come back, please, to the notion of our our journey about the three month strategy. And I want to emphasize here the uh, notion of uh, internal audit. If you are telling your manager, "I will do internal audit for you," you're changing the game. You are not accepting the master-slave relationship of, of saying, okay, I'll give it, give it a try and after three months will tell me whether I'm good enough for that or not. So you change the game with the internal audit by saying, oh, well, I will do my best. And then it's me making the choice. I will tell you what needs to be done. Like, okay? That's the notion that we want to keep here. Change the game. So after the three months, usually uh, there is a there is a review with your manager, with your stakeholders, together. If you want to be brilliant at that, uh, you might want to add uh, your related Sophia, which is usually the cost person, meaning the product manager, your team, and go through the evaluation of your first month. Right when you are saying uh, I have a complete sort of I have these sort of relationships. I did my job at working with the customers. I understand the product strategy. I understand why they exist. I created the charter. Please review, review it with me, with us. And we are basically set by the mission accomplished for the first time. It's a very different song as opposed to saying, like, you know, uh, we run to additional sprints. We delivered something. Okay. Your machine guy, what? So basically, what I mean to say here is that after you establish established yourself in a critical role, you might want to start uh, owning the team's focus. Usually, the focus relates to the roadmap. So let's move to the uh, basically to, to the to the uh, second buff. And again, we go week, week by week. Again, we tell a story, we tell a practical story how to basically uh, uh, adapt that for your own purpose. Uh, you can take it as an inspiration, uh, uh, inspiration here. So uh, in the fifth week, what I what I want to see here is uh, that we can dive in into to how we how we work actually. What are the process? What are the tools? No surprise, we have to do the hard job, right? Uh, the, the I would say the boring job. But identifying so this is the way how we work. This is our deal chaos, are this our goals, this overall that. Uh, this is you know the methodology that we operate with. Uh, and, and just get familiar with that, right? Usually what's highly underestimated is communication channels. Usually I want to see that the new team has established a couple of communication channels, maybe the public one. The communication channel for of course private purposes. And the communication channel for escal escalations for critical things. 
and have that separated. You just keep one single channel for that. It's a mess. Basically, what I want to see is that the new team understands how we deliver value end-to-end from idea till what? Till it's in production or it's committed in the production. I would say until it's uh, until the new functionality is funded uh, on customers' hands, in customer hands, right? So basically, really experiencing the whole journey that makes me sure that you have a new team lead uh, or set up for success pretty well because you understand how we work. If you don't do that, uh, it will be hard for you to improve things and have a bigger picture. Everybody can say, let's improve the, I don't know, code reviews. Because I was hearing a couple of complaints about code reviews. So what? What is the value? You need to have a full picture before you make a choice what needs to be improved. Okay? The week number six, uh, here I want to see, and again, taking the, inspira- uh, the, the inspiration is, uh, actually this is part of the internal audit while you are gathering data from uh, talking with your peers, with your uh, reports, with other stakeholders, uh, and in, in combination with data, IP from Jura or other sources, uh, you actually are building a pretty good picture about how things work and what's the reality of that. On top, what do you want to do? I mean, again, let's take it as a very specific example. I want you to focus on these elements. I want you to focus on uh, uh, answering these questions. Uh, how much do we work on the roadmap? Usually, that's the number one issue that I see. Uh, repeating in a couple of companies, uh, and the scenarios go like goes like: we have OKRs, we have smart goals, we have a roadmap, which is part of the charter. But the truth of the story is that sixty percent of our time we are working off roadmap, while the roadmap has been designed and our capacity has been designed the way that. We focus, we should be focusing 20% towards our, our roadmap. And again, no surprise, we deliver just how old it's. Right? Does it ring the bell? Do you have a similar situation? What I'm going to say, there's always some roadmap work, there's business as usual work, fixing the bugs, doing some sort of, you know, uh, mutual advisory, uh, doing some sort of solutioning, and these sort of things. Usually it gets you. It is something about 40% of your time location for a team. So just take it into account, right? <laughs> and again, you should, if, if that's the case, it's pretty easy to fix it, right? Find out why our, let's say, focus is disturbed, why our sprints are interrupted, what are the sources of interruption, and just to uh, create the right, let's say, prioritization scheme, the priority zero to five, what the definition of that, and start evaluating that. I will just take a look into your backlog for the last, uh, let's say, three past sprints, and I can see that most of the tasks anyway are uh, priority normal. You know what I mean? There is no really priority happening. Uh, the other thing you can basically uh, uh, work on the 
technical qualification. It's a pretty amazing task to make sure that your teams are efficient. The story goes like, um, you know, the beam is like, you know, we worked you know, for five years, six years. Our backlog is like, you know, 30 million, 200,000 different ideas. Providence, that's the way that nobody's working in backlog anymore. You just come up with the priorities of help of your mind, right? Nobody's looking into the backlog in real. The other thing, you might be focusing on uh, why don't we deliver on time to the reason of our tests are failing and it's not really competent enough. Or eventually, uh, you should start changing the mindset of instead of project, instead of why have you uh, picked a new task? Why you haven't helped the, you know, Joe? Because uh, he has to stop over for second week or third week. So that's the notion of start closing or finishing instead of, uh, you know, you should, you, shouldn't, you should stop opening things and rather stop closing things down, right? On the right ones. Uh, again, as you have said, part of the charter should be the robot uh, visualization. So everybody knows what we are now. Well, we are, if you, if you don't want to visualize, they'll eat you for dinner. The very first salesman you will see, they will convince you that this is the thing that you should have on your roadmap. This is the thing that you should be working on. There are other things of you know what might be uh, improved or what are the things that you might want to basically uh, get better at. Uh, there is some sort of a you know thing that nobody talks about. People, especially in the first couple of weeks. Let's be honest, you might want some toxic person in your team. You might have, you might find out that your PM uh, is shit. Sorry to say that. Or you might find out that, you know, there are other, let's say, relationships that are pretty broken with your stakeholders or your internal things. And uh, you need to fix that because that's the source of uh, basically efficiencies, right? So, what I mean to say here, it's not really about uh, systems and technicalities. Uh, hopefully, say, what's the finest people in here today? You know it. There's a story that goes like, you know why most of the people are getting fired? Like, here I mean, I see steam leads. Of course, I don't mean the, the uh, you know, the reason of uh, the famous optimizations of uh, revenue perhaps that is sort of famous these days. What I'm referring to is that most of the time we fire people not for, for their technical, Abilities for disabilities, they are not good for the reason for the reasons of communication or relationships. Again, if you don't build the relationships, it's most likely improbable that you will get. So these are the different scenarios or let's say areas that you can start focusing on, right? Uh, usually you might be having questions, so so what I should optimize for? What should I, what should I go for? Helping for the system. This might be the first, let's say, uh, uh, idea that you might want to gather and focus on. In the week seven, basically in the, in the still second month of your of your mission as a new team lead or existing team lead or, or being a team lead of uh, uh, inherited team, I want you to come up with a first small improvement and bring it home. You're nice to colorize because you might want to find out part of your internal audit is that this is the source of our inefficiency. 
or this is the thing that sort of, sort of a low hanging fruit. It might be improving the two level code review. I don't know. It might be fixing the pipelines. It might be firing the guy. I'm talking to him. <laughs> uh, whatever. But it's a first small improvement. What I mean to say is that on one hand, you shouldn't be the guy doing changes in the very first week just for the sake of demonstrating your power. As you are saying, when Peter, come down, listen, understand the way how we work end to end, and only then come up with the most efficient and valuable uh, improvements. So here, you just demonstrate that you don't keep the status quo, but uh, your mission is to improve things. And that's part of your principles, continuous improvements. If you don't do that, you are just accepting the status quo and keeping like, this is the way how we work. That's not how you can work. The eighth week is about, so we help the system, we have the way uh, this is improvement with how we, how we, how we work. Now eventually it's time for helping people around us. Right? Again, don't focus on the on the technologies, on the system itself, on the processes. Help people. This is how you basically uh, double down on your promise of building relationships. Again, it shouldn't be like big, big things. It shouldn't be saving the world. But after you have the one-on-ones and then you understand how people behave what other relationships, you are at a pretty good stage at knowing like what helps Patrick, what helps Joe, what helps Kamel, what helps uh, you know, all the people around you. I don't mean just uh, people that are, that are reporting to you and also talking stakeholders. I, I'm talking your peers. It's very important. If you don't do that, you miss the momentum of uh, people getting excited about you when you roll. And they just go cool about it. Okay. Uh, so that's the second week. Uh, are we good? Yeah. Uh, <coughs> so the, the second the second month. So basically, uh, what I mean to say here is that you should start only the productivity slash efficiency of your team. Once you already have a pretty good notion about how your team, how your team works. What's great about your team? What are the, as we say in English, improvement opportunities? <laughs> what can eat you for, for dinner? Don't go or avoid the temptation for going for huge tasks, for huge missions. That's not going to help anyone. It's, uh, you know, huge jests are not helpful. Embrace the, the truth of by making small improvements. You are actually continuously improving things over. Don't chase the bigger, you know, fishes, especially at this stage. So basically, uh, it's a, as you are saying, it is a great opportunity again, as I was saying, that's the second month is about saying, okay, so this is what we can accomplish. This is what we cannot accomplish. I want to make sure that my team is back on track. I want to make sure that we sort of uh, squeeze the expectations or we move something away from the roadmap or we change the uh you know the contract uh we put something off uh 
goals for the sake of just making sure that we can accomplish what we promise. Don't underestimate this step. And of course, altogether, you check the chemistry, the purpose, you have uh, the uh, uh, team charter and everything pretty ready, right? If you compare it to what you've experienced up to now, uh, this is a pretty great battle one. This is what differentiates you from the rest, again, as we have said here with Peter. The third math, okay, we are coming to an end. Please uh, stay with us. The third month, I uh, mean, week nine, uh, I want to understand uh, a bigger picture, bigger picture how the company works. If you don't do that, again, it might eat you for dinner. Uh, to be honest, this is something that the company provides to you. If it does not, if it's not the case, then ask for it. It's about how do you work in terms of communication, in terms of HR? Please explain how our career framework works. What are the criteria I can promote somebody or lay somebody off? What, uh, what are the criteria to, let's say, uh, close a hiring or candidate successfully? If nobody told you about it before, your risk to fail in this case. And then some disagreements. And again, we should be talking eventually with people, not only from the product management, as you are saying, but also with marketing. If you are audacious enough with sales. <laughs> and uh, something that is highly, uh, you know, uh, unappreciated is, is the support, of course. Wow, these things are exploited to me. What are the criteria that do we have a contract? What that all means? Uh, what's the definition of uh, proclaiming that this bag is unlocked? Right? Seems like a simple thing, but if you have these contracts right, then basically uh, you move away a big portion of interruptions away from your team. Week 10. Coming back to the internal audit, basically use these, uh, in this week, you should focus on uh, really summarizing your findings, the findings from uh, speaking with people, with the stakeholders from all the three directions, and uh, enriching that with data, optimally, meaning like how much we've delivered in the last, uh, let's say, uh, two quarters. What's the amount of interruptions? How much time do we focus on uh, on things that matter about the meaning of the roadmap versus how much time uh, it's left for, you know, we're designated for uh, the business and legal work, front work. And in the end, imagine you have a timeline that, is, that says, okay, from uh, February 2024, these are the two most important things that I will start, I will start uh, focusing on and improve. And uh, for the Q4, let's say, Q2, Q3, Q4, there are, you know, other bunch of opportunities, and you have that written well in uh, spread into the timeline. And that's something that you want to propose and come up with as a proposal uh, to your manager, to your stakeholders, and uh, to your target reports. Again, this is the differentiator. This is what how to move from the, the master slave 
whether the uh, manager decides about here, who are saying, okay, let me do this, I will decide. Before the third month ends, what I advise is to start working on some sort of bigger initiative. What that doesn't say doesn't mean that you need to call the initiative, but you should at least start or get a signal of starting with something uh, that you consider to be the most valuable. Here is the start. Be the person who gets the signal was just some sort of superficial article signal, but the strong signal that you are the change agent. You want to change things. And you want to keep that, doing that uh, for the rest of your life. It might be, uh, you know, I want to make sure that from uh, from Q Q two, we will have our ammunition pretty ready. We know what's on our roadmap, as opposed to okay, there's a new quarter, and uh, we should uh, totally stretch our backlogs and focus on something new, right? But these things it doesn't happen from one day to another. So uh, your your proposal might be. Okay, for the last sprint of the, of the quarter, we will actually focus on uh, uh, building the ammunition and uh, you know the initiatives and bring that into into some sort of muscle or epic. So our techniques, our plan for the next quarter is well thought through. Okay, there's a bunch of like I would say gazillion of other things you might think of, of course, and you can identify that on your own with other people. It's never a game of one single person. Uh, the secret is, most of us, we know what needs to change. We all know. People know. They will tell you. We just need to be a man who comes up with, okay, so these are the priorities, but we've got our things, and this is what we do first, this is what we do second. In the end, coming to the end, the very end, of course, Closing the loop, to remember in our calendar, there's a day 90 blinking at us. And you know, there's going to be over and a half call uh, with uh, your manager, with your query manager eventually, where you're going to be saying, this is uh, my internal audit, the outcome of that. This is what I found. The reason why I think these are the right priorities is this data. And that's the proposal that uh, I want to move on from now. Do you accept it or, or not? And again, make sure you don't play the fastest like game. You know, platforms inclined here. In a very similar way as me as a manager, I'm making a decision about you you are fully entitled to make the mindset decision about what I offer. Should be a fair game, never process it, right? So it should be a win-win relationship. So in the end, you should come to the ultimate decision, of course. Do I stay? Uh, I think the question is, do I bring added value with my team? After this one goes off, basically, hopefully, that's all right. I can guarantee you the manager will be talking about your different approach and things one others, about embracing the new team. You might be get, getting famous around it and about it. 
eventually. And when on day 90 plus, there is there is a million things that you can do, of course, and you can ask for another support. Uh, you can ask for, uh, let's say, in a portfolio of different books or attending some sort of mobile uh, conferences, whatever is helpful to you, of course. Still, you have the privilege of asking for help <laughs> explicitly. Please take that into account. This opportunity gets uh, evaporated after uh, saying yes, my dear man. The lessons learned and the uh, fuck ups, as we, we said with Peter, thanks a couple of them. Nevertheless, uh, uh, I want to emphasize the one thing uh, which is meant about listening instead of uh, trying to demonstrate your superiority uh, to the world. The most successful people, the most successful men are those who listen, are those who are silent. Because if they say something, everybody starts to pay attention. You are just a principled guy. This is the difference. And sorry for this explicit picture. <laughs> this is really how I see it. Do you want to be perceived as, as a dancing man? Or do you want to be perceived as a, as a people who is like chilled, who understands the higher value, who has the end to end picture? It's your choice. You might be saying, but I'm in a company who's like, whose ambition is to be busy or you know, project oriented, whatever. Um, of course, you can ask for some sort of internal buddy for internal mentor. You have a full privilege to ask your new manager being your mentor. It shouldn't be part of the regular one-on-one -on -one meetings. It's an explicit meeting while you are resolving, let's say, opportunities, your tactics, your internal findings, and basically some form of advisory. Or you can find, find somebody from outside and not telling me, <laughs> of course. You, are, you have the full privilege to, to make a choice. And you have the full privilege for asking for that. You might be yourself in a situation that your manager is really busy. It puts you again in a spotlight of having the privilege to ask to get somebody from inside of, or outside to help you with that. That's totally fine and acceptable. Okay. So I think we are coming to an end of our talk. Hopefully, uh, as you saw, it's fully practical. We don't talk full bullshit. We don't talk thick theory with Peter. Uh, Peter, if you can please come down and come to me. And again, uh, congratulations to, to, to Peter uh, and to the whole meetings that we had uh, to make up for the design others. So uh, helping us with that. If you can, really come, come close to us. <laughs> we can invite Lady for beer. Not be worried for that. So thank you for for the TV. There is a link to the slides directly. You don't need to make screenshots. And uh, uh, there is one thing that I want to uh, close this meeting with, which is exactly as we made a couple of cases with Peter, with Hans and others. If you if you are audacious enough to to speak with us here. Uh, let us know. 
you have the full privilege to do that. Uh, uh, if you have a good enough topic, if you have a topic which is uh, that is full of insights and practicalities as opposed to just to talking theories, just uh, make it work. Or eventually you can at least uh, you know let your community manager know about like the CBC event, uh, invite more people here, or let's say provide something new, whatever comes to your mind. Basically, that you are fully entitled to do that. And uh, I'll be more than welcome. You're more than welcome to to stay on the stage if the topic is uh, attractive and meaningful enough, and uh, you know what you're talking about. Okay, perfect. So thanks again for for your attention. And of course, uh, uh, there is a couple of beers, network parties, fancy hamburgers, which is nice because I'm hungry <laughs> to do that. Uh, we are all for together. Uh, you're just here for us. Part of our meetups is also the networking. So please. Feel free to connect with each other, with Peter, with me, with whomever you see. Uh, that's the purpose. That's what, what the other half of, of uh, you know uh, these these talks and meetings, meetups. So uh, love to love to talk to you uh, this evening. Hopefully, it brought you some perspective that is pretty unique, as opposed to be a yes man or go, going the standard way. Uh, and I will be looking forward to hear your feedback. So thank you again, and uh, looking forward to see you at the next meetup.